Okay, so today, this morning, um, the word I'm going to bring is embracing God's love. Um, it's been a very challenging and joyous 2023, and as I pondered as to what word to bring. The Lord put love on my heart. And I really do feel that as we start the new year, it's nice for us to start afresh with love in our hearts, loving people, knowing how we should love. Because sometimes we feel we, need, we, we know how to love. But really, we need God's intervention to help us to love people. Because we encounter at work, within our community, on the way to work, we encounter some really difficult, um, challenging people, situations as we, you know, go through. But we need, really need God to help us um, in our love for others. Um, sometimes it's even within our own families, you know, that we need love for other people, our siblings, um, our parents, our aunties, uncles, we need love. You know, there's so much politics going on, not just in the world, but within our own families, that we need God to help us to love each other. Because love conquers all. There's nothing like a mum's love, a mother's love. You know, it's, it's very powerful, it's very potent, because you've carried that child for so long, so you have such a love for that child there's nothing like a mother's love. You will go to the ends of the earth for your child, a mum would. You work so hard for your child, wanting to make sure that they go to, you know, really good schools, they have good food to eat, for nutrition, you know. They have good people around them. So you will really work hard for your children. At times, some parents, they work in two, three jobs, just you know, as single parents, just so that they can have, um, they can make, a, have a good life for their children, you know. So we really thank God for our mothers. I know my mom's worked really hard for me as a single mom. She's done really well for me, and I really thank God for her, for her life. We see the story in, let me just get the scripture. We see the story in, um, Second Kings, just bear with me, guys. I've just moved a bit further than where I was supposed to have moved. Didn't realize. But it's a story about um, King Solomon and his wisdom, exhibiting his, his wisdom when he was judging two mothers who were claiming this baby was theirs. So let me just get to it quickly. And we see the love of a mother in that story. Okay, so it's 1 Kings 3, 16 to 28. And there were two mothers, they gave birth. They were living in the same house. And one of the women, their child died. And then the other one, her child was still alive. So what the one whose child died, she then took her dead child and swapped it with the other one. Pretended that was the living child was her child and the dead child was the other woman's child. Anyway, they ended up in front of King Solomon 
who had superb wisdom, and they put their case forward as to who the child belongs to, you know. And Solomon, he's there thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know whose child this belongs to. And so he says, Lord spoke to him, and he came up with, okay, so what we will do is this. The child is there, a living child. Let's split this child in two. You have one half, and the other woman has one half. And immediately, the, one, the real mother then said, no, don't do that. Let the other woman have the child, if that's the case. And the, the one whose child has died, had died, then said, yes, let's split the child, divide the child in two. And I will have one half, the other one, the other woman will have the other child. And King Solomon immediately knew who the mother was. And he gave the woman, the true mother, the baby, because he knew that that baby belonged to the woman who said, no, give the child to the other one. Which mother would want to have their child split in two? No mother. Okay, if you're saying it's yours, you raise this child. That's the love of a mother. You don't want any harm to come to your children. You want your children to have the very best upbringing. A mother's love. Now, I've just talked about a mother's love, let alone our Heavenly Father, his love for us. His love is absolutely amazing. It's a wonderful love that he has for us. John 3.16, we all know a very famous scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but we will have eternal life. Who here would give up their child for anyone else? To die on the cross for someone else? I don't think I can do that now. You know, so, but that's what God did for us. God's love is pure is simple. There are no caveats, no stipulations as to how he will love us. It's an unconditional love. It's an agape love. And that's the highest form of love. And I'll go into that later on. And the way God loves us, he doesn't love us because of who we are. Oh, I am Lynette. No. I'm the prime minister. Absolutely not. I am a pastor. Absolutely not. I have a big, massive house. I have a mansion. He doesn't love us because of that. He doesn't love, you see a rich man, a poor man. He doesn't love the rich man over the poor man. His love is unconditional. Doesn't care who you are, his love is unconditional. That's the kind of love that he has. He doesn't love you because you're praying 10 hours a day or because you're the best servant that he could possibly have and want or you're so obedient. He doesn't love you for those reasons. He loves you because you're his child. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's not for any other reasons, just for by grace. He looked at us. He smiled at us. It is by grace. 
He made us in his own image. If only we could comprehend how much our Father loves us, we'll be amazed, we'll be blown out, blown over by how much he loves us. It's an unconditional love. At times, I am so humbled. I know how I was when I was in the world. And I know how much he loves me. And I'm, and I'm so humbled thinking, Lord, you did this for me. My heart was wretched at times towards people. I was like, wow, Lord, the things that I did that went against your word. But wow, Lord, you did this for me. You sent your son to die on the cross for me. I am humbled. He sent his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for us. God is not into the worldly love or celebrity love, as I call it. You know, you go around, oh, I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, mwah, mwah. I love you, I love you. But it doesn't go deep. There are no roots. So much so that when, when something happens, people are all away from you. Yesterday, um, Mecca and I were watching, was it Tyson and Frank? It was just the story of their fight and everything and how it took place and the build-up towards it and everything. And I remember one of the things about Tyson, and he touched on that yesterday when in that documentary, he had so many people around him. He was a good boxer, so therefore bringing in lots of money. He had lots of people around him. They may have been telling him, oh, we love you, Tyson, we love you, we love you. But when things went sour for him, who were the people around him? They all left. Were they still there loving him? And sometimes that's how you know true love, whether or not people are there for you. When things are happening, are they there showing love still? Or is it because of your money? Is that what attracted people? Your popularity, is that what attracted people? But that's not how God loves us. He loves us regardless of our popularity, you know, what's going on with us. He loves us regardless. And when we do things, God doesn't love whereby if you hurt him, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't do things he wants you to do. He doesn't abandon you. That's not, the, that's not the God we serve. Whilst the worldly kind of love, you do things wrong to people, they seek revenge, they're hostile towards you, they isolate themselves from you, they put up a guard around themselves, or they'll literally just cut you off. They have unforgiveness in their hearts towards you. And they're cautious. They suddenly become cautious mm. around you. Or they distance themselves. Does that sound familiar, guys? Because I know I've been there. You know? I've been there. Whereby you start being cautious around people. Mm. Let me not say this. Let me not say that. Mm. But that's not how God wants us to love. Let me say this. If the world loved like how God loves, oh my goodness, what kind of a place would we be? Oh my goodness. Think about the families that we have around us. 
our external families. What kind of families would we have? Think about that. Luke 6, 27 to 36. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is just to highlight that God wants us to love our enemies, people who've hurt us, people who persecute us. In Luke 6, from verse 27, it says, But I say to you who hear, I say to you who hear. It doesn't just say, it doesn't start off with saying love your enemies, but I say to you who hear. So Jesus is there saying, you who are listening, who are really listening, you need to love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. As I'm, as I'm reading this scripture, I'm thinking about people that are against us at work. People that want to climb the ladder and they will climb over us just so that they can get to where they want to get. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. You know they don't like you. Do good to them. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for them. Don't ignore them, not speak to them. Act funny towards them. Try and get them back. This is his truth. This is God's word, this is truth. And we have to follow his truth. As I said before that, in his word, there are no caveat of, oh, but you should love people if they do this. No. It's loving people regardless because that's how God loves us. You know, when Jesus came, I always say this, he's my example, our example of how we are to do things. He came, and he purposely came down as man, not as a deity, as man, so that we can follow his example to love others. Those who you know are not being nice towards you. Those who you know who want to see your downfall. We need to love them. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus can sympathize with us. He's in the same boat as us because he came down as man. If he can do it, we can do it too. He came down as man to show us the way of how we're supposed to do certain things so that we can't say, oh, but I can't do it. But when we read his word, we see that, yes, we can do it. When I was sinning, God didn't ignore me. He didn't abandon me. 
He didn't forsake me. He didn't put up a barrier between me and him. He loved me for who I am. John 8:32 says, and you shall know the truth and that truth will set you free. When we know his truth, sometimes we feel, no, I can't do it. Somebody's done something to me. Oh, no, I can't forgive them. I can't forgive them. I can't, I can't, I just can't. But yes, well, you can. If you allow God's truth to resonate in you, we can do it. We absolutely can. Sometimes we change and tweak the word to suit our situations, especially when it comes to things like unforgiveness, resentment, or bitterness. We don't want to, we tweak it to say, oh, yeah, but, yeah, this situation's a bit different. Everyone feels their situation's unique. Every one of us, our situation is unique in how we should love or not love somebody. When I sinned, I was loved by God. So therefore, why can't I love somebody who's done something wrong against me and that's their sin towards me? When we really love people who are against us, it shows true humility. It shows that we've surrendered everything to God. You know, we're doing, because in the world, that's not how they would act. So when you're doing that, it's like, it's showing that you're surrendering to God. It's showing true humility, true maturity. Maturity is when you are doing um, you are doing what God is asking you to do, but you are not, you are doing it in a way that God will, God, God sees that you are, it's going to another level. I'm trying to explain the, the maturity that I'm trying to speak about. But it's doing something that you know you should be doing, and it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Sometimes we could be of age, we're mature, but we're not showing maturity in our actions. Somebody younger could be showing a lot more maturity in what we're showing. God's word help us to, helps us to show true maturity. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can receive peace from God. He's the only one that can help us. He's the only one that can help us. Because when we're in this world, we're on earth, we will face challenges. Every day we face challenges in our household, 
outside, in church, we face challenges. But his word is what helps us to get through those challenges. God's love should help us to encourage one another. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Sorry. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. His love should encourage us, should help us to encourage one another. Encourage our brothers and sisters in the things that they want to do. Encourage our family, our friends in things that they want to do. Whether it's a business they want to start, whether it's a ministry they want to start, just encourage each other and be genuine when we're encouraging each other because we want the best for them. And that is what, which I'm going to be going into later on, God's agape love is. It's the highest form of love. You want the best for other people. And you put yourself, you put others above you. God's love should also help us to support each other in times of need. 1 John 3, 18 to 19 reads, my little, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Supporting one another. Supporting our loved ones. God's love should also help us to genuinely love each other. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. One Peter four eight. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love, sorry. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. This scripture speaks volumes for me. Because... When somebody has done something wrong, you show fervent love for them. You will look above what they've done, the hurt they've brought to you. You will look past that. You may be thinking, huh, really? You're feeling that pain. The pain you feel, but it's something you have to constantly bring before the Lord. We've all been through it. It's a battle. You're constantly, you, you feel your mind wandering. You know, thinking, Lord, yeah, you're planning a situation in your head. Yeah, Lord, this is what you need to do to expose this, to do this, to do that. But no, you want God to do it. You want the Holy Spirit to do it, not for you as man in your own flesh, in your own carnal desires, for that to happen. It's for God to do it. 
we're encouraged to love each other deeply, fervently, deeply. Peter, who wrote this um, book where the scripture is, he knows all about it because of what happened. Being one of the disciples. Peter was one of God's, Jesus' disciples. He, three times, three times he denied Jesus because he didn't want, at the time Jesus was being arrested, he did not want to be associated with him. Three times. And then the cock crowed. Three times he denied Jesus. And afterwards he felt bad. But did Jesus forgive him? Yeah. He did. He went on to be one of the greatest disciples of all times. In fact, I remember reading, oh, where is it? It's in Acts. I think it's in Acts. Is it Acts 2, Acts 4? It's in Acts somewhere. And I was really amazed by this because it was Peter, someone else, can't remember, one of the other disciples, they went before the Sanhedrin and they were speaking to them. Now, as they spoke, they were amazed, thinking, this guy Peter, they could see, the scripture says, they could tell that he had been with Jesus because this is somebody who did not really have much of an education. But the way he spoke, he spoke so eloquently. And they were like, wow. And this is somebody who had denied Jesus three times. But how did Jesus deal with it? He still loved him. He still loved him. It's a hard thing to do when somebody has done something so wrong to you. Can't think of the worst thing they could do. And for you to now forgive them. It's a hard thing to do. Physically, it's hard. But we need God to help us. We really need God to help us. God's love, as I said, is agape love. It's the highest form of love. His love has no bounds. It's an unconditional love. It's unselfish. It's pure. It's willful. It's a sacrificial love. Because look at what God did for us. That's why it's sacrificial. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins to be forgiven. It's not like the eros love, which is, a, um, sorry, agape is a Greek word, and so is eros. It's not like the romantic love that you will have with Filial love, which is a friendship type of love. It's not based on emotions. It's not based on emotions. And this is how God loves us. If we all loved each other in this way, like I said, imagine what kind of a world we will be living in. The world will be a different place. You know, you could accidentally, sometimes you accidentally hurt people. You could accidentally 
hurt somebody, you could accidentally hurt somebody and they, they, yes, they would feel hurt, they would feel hurt, but then they say, oh, it's okay. And then they move on. Or even if they, they're feeling hurt, taking time to get over it, with, with God, they will get over it. Okay. Some of the benefits of embracing God's love were building intimacy with him. John 14, 21 said, who, sorry, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. As we embrace God's love, we grow in deep intimacy with him. Creating a sense of belonging and qualifying who we are in Christ. God's love helps us to draw closer to him because we know how much he loves us. And we grow in that love. Just think about those who are married. When you, you, you know how much your spouse loves you in how they deal with you and how they respond to you. How do you respond to them? You respond in a similar way. Another benefit is that his mercies are new each day. God's faithful love towards us is, this underpins the reasons for his mercies that he shows us each and every single day. Lamentations 3, 22 to 25 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him to those who search for him his mercies are new every morning we receive his mercies every morning we wake up it's there just waking up breath in our lung that's his mercies towards us In this book of Lamentations 3, the prophet Isaiah reminds us of his mercies because Israel has just been captured by Babylon and the people are going through a time of repentance, a time of such hardship. But prophet Isaiah is reminding us that his mercies are new every morning. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. You may be going through a time whereby a very difficult time, you need his mercy. 
in your situation. You need him to move. It's just been reminded that his mercies are there for us. He loves us with such a great love. There is hope in his love. Absolute hope in his love. Through his love, we receive God's guidance and wisdom as well. By loving him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, we position ourselves so that we can receive his guidance and his wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, we know it's a very famous scripture that we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. As tempting as it is not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. We need his guidance. We need his wisdom. Every day we need it. Making decisions about our children, about our jobs, about our health, different things that come up. We need his wisdom. We need his guidance. Through his love, we, we gain his perfect peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3 reads, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. His peace is nothing like the world's peace. Absolutely nothing. In the midst of catastrophe, in the midst of chaos, when we receive his peace, we know it is well. We know it is well. Through his love as well, we receive transformation and spiritual growth. His love transforms us and helps us to build spiritually. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 reads, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Transformation and spiritual growth as we grow in his love. We also discover our purpose through his love. Loving God opens the doors to discovering our God-given purpose. As we delight in him, he plants our hearts with his desires. And he guides us in our unique walk that we should have, that we will have for him. And this, in turn, makes an impact on his kingdom. Psalms 37, verse 4 reads, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart.
Just going to touch on one more thing before we finish. Okay. Um, there was the woman at the well. This is in John 8, verse 1 to 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there was a woman at the well that Jesus encountered and he spoke to. And this woman, she had been caught in, she had, she had been caught in the act of committing adultery. Now, when this, hap when this happens, the, the custom, um, the Jewish custom back then was that that woman should be stoned to death. So Jesus met her at the well at that time. And the scriptures, this is in John 8. I'll just, I'm just going to read parts of it. So verse 3 says, As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. So they were ready to basically um, do the act of stoning her. And then Jesus intervened. And I'm going to go right down to verse 7. So... They had asked Jesus what they should do with this woman. And then so from verse 7, Jesus said, They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Sometimes we're in situations... I know I've been guilty of this. Whether you're watching something or whether it's in real life, it's happened. And somebody has done something, and you're thinking, mm-mm, that's not good. How can you do that? But then the Lord, I love you, Lord, just reminds me, drop something in my spirit. What of you, Lynette? Do you remember that situation? He who has never sinned, let him cast the first stone. We need to be so mindful of that. And that is a love that God shows us. He's agape love. He's a forgiven God. Absolutely forgiving. But we need to come to him. And Jesus ended by saying, this is in verse 11, go and sin no more. As long as we are available, we are willing, we want God to do, he will forgive us. Just be mindful of that. But we need to come as the scripture says in 1 John 1, verse 9, no, 1 John 1, it says that we should confess our sins. Just going out my head. We should confess our sins because he's a just and faithful God who will forgive us and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we need to come. We need to respond by coming to him. The other one I just wanted to quickly highlight before I close is Ruth, the story of Ruth. Now, yeah, the story of Ruth. Ruth was, she was married to Naomi's 
um, Naomi in the Bible, Naomi's, um, Naomi's son, Marlon. And there was a time when Naomi and the family, they had moved over to um, the land of Moab. But then Naomi lost her husband and she lost both her boys. So they then decided to move back to Israel because the famine which, the, which they were experiencing, that's why they moved in the first place, had actually ended. So they were moving back. Now, Naomi was an old woman. She'd lost her family, her husband, and two boys. And she said to her daughters-in-law, Ruth, and um, what was the other one's name? O Opal, I think her name was. And Opal then went back to her family. But Ruth decided to stay. You know, she, she said, no, I'm going to stay with you. Ruth is originally a Moabite, and Moabites, and Moabites were pagans, basically. They had other gods that they worshipped. They didn't worship the god, um, the god of Israel. So she decided to stay with her mother-in-law. She said, no, I can't leave you. I'm going to stay with you. And in their journey, now, she had no link to Naomi, lost her husband, no link to Naomi, a young woman, she could have gone back to her family, and she could have found somebody else and remarried. But she decided to stay. During, during the, their travel, they met... Obviously, the, um, the famine had just ended, but they still um, needed to get food. So they stopped. There was a farm that they stopped at, and Naomi said that Ruth should go and ask to glean wheat. So she went to the farm to glean wheat, and she met somebody called Boaz. Boaz was Naomi's husband's, late husband's family. Now, he didn't know who this person was, Ruth. He asked who she was, and they said, oh, this is Ruth. Um, she's looking after her mother-in-law. So he allowed her to glean wheat there. And basically, what then happened was she was favored. What I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we do an act and we don't, when we're not thinking about, we're not focused on the act, but we're just focused on just helping somebody. And as a result of helping the person, you are favored. Ruth decided to stay with her mother-in-law. She had no link to her, but she decided to stay. And when, let me get to the part. And then when Boaz spoke to her, firstly, he said to her she could come and glean wheat for as long as she wanted. He got her, um, he protected her, because obviously she was a woman on her own, so he protected her by saying that the men on the um, land as well, they will not harm you, nothing will happen, he's spoken to them. And then one of the parts I wanted to highlight was, also this is what he said to her, this is in Ruth 2, 11 to 12. He recognized her selfless act. He said, it says here, this is Ruth 2 from verse 11. 
And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a, to a people whom you did not know before. Twelve, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. She has done a selfless act. And that, this is what agape love is about, is doing a selfless act. You're not benefiting anything from it. Because what is she benefiting from looking after her mother-in-law? There's no husband there. Absolutely nothing. But she has just done a selfless act. And God does this for us at times. Whereby we do a selfless act and we are favored. She has looked after her mother-in-law. She has honored um, her mother-in-law by doing this. Whilst the other daughter-in-law, Opal, she went. Not that there was anything wrong with her going because Naomi told them, please go, you know. But she stayed and God honored her. And I'm praying that this will be each one of our portions. As we do selfless act, that the Lord, as it says in um, Ruth 2 verse 12, the Lord will repay our work and a full reward be given by the Lord to us, under whose wings we have come for refuge. So this is my prayer for each one of us, that when we go off on, um, into you know, our week, the days, that we will do selfless acts, that we will show agape love to others so that people will be thinking, wow, Mel, you know, there's something about you. Seriously, that we will show God's light because we are showing what he has deposited in us. He loves us with agape love. Lord, I'm praying that each one of us, we will love others with agape love. Our siblings, our brothers, our parents, those at work, those who we have difficult relationships with. We will release any unforgiveness in our hearts and show each person agape love. That is my portion for each one of us this morning. So with that, eyes um, closed and heads bowed, please. Lord, I just want to thank you for this time. I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Father God, for your agape love and every um, person here today, Father God, and online. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will help us, oh God, to, as we get to know you more, as you love us, Father God, that we will reciprocate your love to others in the way you want us to. Lord, whatever is in our hearts right now, Father God, I pray that you will help us to release any unforgiveness, any resentment, any bitterness in our hearts right now, Father God, any awkwardness, any God, Father God, that we're putting up. Father God, may you bring down those guards in the name of Jesus. Father God, anyhow we are towards other people, Lord, the barriers we're putting up between other people, the hurts, the pains, Lord, the experiences that we have undergone and we are um, showing through how we are with others, Father God. I pray, oh God, that you will help us, oh God, to process these and release them from us in the name of Jesus. Father God, help us to love one another. Help us, Father God, to love one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.